This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia-Dean. Today is Thursday, September 29th. Coming up, pediatricians are worried about Missouri kids losing health coverage when the federal COVID-19 emergency declaration ends. One of the true blessings of the public health emergency is that we haven't had to turn anybody away. Plus, scientists say a major farm chemical maker is muddying the evidence about risks related to its popular weed killer. They've been manufacturing uncertainty for decades. This is a common strategy. How Kansas Governor Laura Kelly is fighting new regulations surrounding the chemical. But first, some headlines. The Missouri Supreme Court heard arguments yesterday about whether to discipline a former Jackson County prosecutor for her conduct in the trial of a man who spent 23 years in prison for crimes he didn't commit. KCUR's Dan Margulies reports. Missouri's chief disciplinary counsel has recommended that Amy McGowan's law license be suspended indefinitely. He says she failed to disclose exculpatory evidence to the attorney for Ricky Kidd who was convicted for two 1996 murders and sentenced to life in prison. Kidd was exonerated in 2019. Specifically, he says McGowan didn't reveal that depositions of a suspect and a person of interest in the case were taking place just before Kidd's trial. McGowan has been accused of withholding evidence in other cases. She retired as a Douglas County, Kansas prosecutor in 2019, shortly after Kidd was freed from prison. With Hurricane Ian making landfall in Florida, the NFL has announced a backup site for this weekend's matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Greg Eklund reports for KCUR. That backup venue, according to the NFL, would be U.S. Bank Stadium in downtown Minneapolis. The location change is possible because the Minnesota Vikings are scheduled to play in London on Sunday. For now, the plan is just a contingency. The league hasn't officially announced if the game will or won't be played in Tampa. This will be the first meeting between the Chiefs and the Bucks since Super Bowl 55 last year. Officials are asking people to pull as many fish as they can out of a western Kansas lake. Celia Yopis Jepson reports. You can grab the fish at Ellis City Lake by hand, scoop them up with a net, or reel them in with a pole. The state really doesn't care. Just take as many as you want because officials expect that the bass, bluegills, and other fish here will die soon. The same severe drought that is stunting western Kansas crops is preventing the 30-acre lake west of Hayes from getting the recharge water it needs. Weather scientists expect the drought to continue for months more at least. Thousands of children in Missouri rely on federal services like the Children's Health Insurance Program and Medicaid for health coverage. Since the start of the pandemic, a federal emergency declaration has allowed them to receive continuous coverage without jumping through the usual bureaucratic hoops. That will end when the state of emergency is lifted. Sebastian Martinez Valdivia reports health providers are worried. Katherine Friend has had a busy day. In the morning, she helped run a sports physicals clinic at the local public school in Donovan, Missouri, a small town of about 1,800, 15 minutes north of the Arkansas border. She's had nonstop appointments all afternoon. Does she want to do the x-ray today? I don't know. That's not unusual for the registered nurse, who's also the only pediatric specialist in her county in the heart of the Missouri Ozarks. You know, I see... uh, uh, a large volume of kids every single day. We try our best not to turn anyone away. We try to get them all in. It makes for long hours and long days, but we try to get people taken care of. 
Friends Clinic is housed in the county's former hospital, which closed down in 2018. It's a one-stop shop for a range of ailments, from broken bones to ear infections to COVID-19. And Friends says most of her patients are Medicaid recipients. Medicaid enrollment in Missouri has grown by more than 400,000 people since the start of the pandemic. That's one of the biggest per capita increases in the country, largely driven by the state's decision to expand Medicaid eligibility last year. Normally, Medicaid recipients have to regularly prove they still qualify for the program, a process which involves a lot of paperwork and is called redetermination. Thanks to a federal emergency declaration, new recipients haven't had to worry about that. But some experts say Missouri's track record is cause for concern when that declaration ends. Dr. Maya Moody says she worries about history repeating itself. I mean, we were turning away kids left and right, and it just broke our hearts. Moody is president of the American Academy of Pediatrics, Missouri chapter. She remembers when, in 2019, some 100,000 children lost coverage. The state had recently started redeterminations after a long pause, and many children who still qualified were taken off the rolls. These are kids that we needed to, to see, and they were our routine patients. These are families that we know really well. That has this been one of the you know, true blessings of the public health emergency is that we haven't had to turn anybody away. The state later said there was an error where if parents in a household lost coverage, the children did as well, despite having a much higher income threshold. State officials say they've fixed this error. Nevertheless, Moody is concerned and she's trying to get ahead of any possible issues. We have already started to talk to folks about making sure that they're getting their documents together and that they're you know, ready to reapply. Complicating matters, until recently, Missouri was taking months to process Medicaid applications. While the state now says it has cut down an enormous backlog in applications, long processing times can mean long waits for children to get care. Avoiding that scenario means work on the front end for state agencies. And Sarah Collins, a senior scholar with the Commonwealth Fund, says that's an uphill battle. States are going to be faced at the end of the public health emergency with our gargantuan task of redetermining eligibility um, for people who have stayed on um, Medicaid over this two-year period. Colin says states, like Missouri, that have faced staffing issues during the pandemic are worse off. Because of that, the federal government has recommended a gradual approach for states to take on their caseload in chunks. A spokesperson for the Missouri Department of Social Services said in an email, the agency is currently working on verifying recipients' addresses to make sure people get the eventual paperwork. At the clinic in the Ozarks of Missouri, all that paperwork concerns pediatric registered nurse Katherine Friend. I really worry about that, too, because that's a big lax anyway. It was before. You know, and so now that it's just easy, I don't have to do anything. I just keep getting coverage. Then they're just going to think they keep getting coverage. And she says educating her patients will be key to making sure the end of the public health emergency doesn't keep kids from getting care they need. The public health emergency could expire as early as January. For SideFX Public Media, I'm Sebastian Martinez Valdivia. Kansas Governor Laura Kelly is defending a controversial weed killer as safe, but studies suggest the chemical hurts fish, frogs, and other living things. Kansas News Service reporter Celia Yopis Jepsen told Harvest Public Media editor Maria Altman why regulators consider the chemical so problematic. Celia, let's start with the basics. Atrazine is the second most common herbicide used by U.S. farmers. It's mostly used on corn. The federal government wants to tighten some of the rules for using it. Fill us in. 
like other things that we spray on our crops. It doesn't just stay in the fields. And so atrazine is now one of the most common contaminants in surface water. The European Union banned it nearly two decades ago, and there's evidence that it hurts fish and frogs. Um, Mammals and birds could be at risk too, as well as lots of plants that are really important to the food chain. What about effects for humans? Some studies have found associations between atrazine and problems for for children, like uh, well-premature childbirth, um, malformed genitals. Atrazine is toxic to hormone glands and nervous systems in, in experiments with animals, and those findings are considered relevant to humans. So why is the Environmental Protection Agency acting now? Back in 2016, the EPA put out this huge report all about the risks for plants and animals from atrazine. Then Donald Trump took office, and his administration loosened the rules for the chemical. And then Joe Biden took office, and now his administration wants to bring the rules in line with that 2016 report. What would that mean for farmers? Well, the EPA wants farmers to stop crop dusting with atrazine, for example. And and they want farmers to reduce atrazine in watersheds where it's already been building up. So farmers in areas like that would need to use less of the stuff or, or else take other measures to help, you know, keep it from running off of their fields. And Kansas Governor Kelly is siding with the Trump administration on this issue and criticizing the Biden administration. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, Kelly is a Democrat running for re-election in a very Republican state. And and she put out a press release listing her stance on atrazine as evidence that farmers can count on her. What's her reasoning? Well, Kelly says thousands of studies show that this chemical is safe. That's a talking point promoted by the chemical's maker, Syngenta. Um, But independent scientists who, who research atrazine say that Syngenta muddies the situation with studies that it pays for. I talked to Jason Rohr from the University of Notre Dame. He chairs the Department of Biological Sciences. They've been manufacturing uncertainty for decades. This is a common strategy. If you can just convince our public that we don't have enough information or that the information is not clear, then status quo remains. He compares it to the strategy that big tobacco used to undercut evidence that smoking causes cancer. But will there be repercussions for farmers if the EPA tightens the rules for atrazine? Kelly says this chemical is critical for farmers, and and certainly the National Corn Growers Association agrees. Um, Corn is the second biggest crop in Kansas. Nationally, it's an $80 billion industry. And, you know, we get almost all of our feed grain for livestock from corn. Kelly is warning that, you know, with regulations like this, corn could get more expensive. Well, there's one more angle to this. Herbicides help farmers stop plowing. Yeah, that that is true. So farmers plow to control weeds, but plowing, it turns out, is really bad for the soil and it's bad for the environment. So many farmers have stopped plowing to save the soil and, you know, cut down on diesel for running the plow. And they rely then on herbicides to kill the weeds. So maybe they'll soon have to rely less on this particular weed killer. was Maria Altman and Celia Yopis-Jepson. The Kansas News Service reports on health, the many factors that influence it, and their connection to public policy. 
This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Celia's story about atrazine and Sebastian's story about Medicaid in Missouri, visit kcur.org, where you can find more Kansas and Missouri news from Kansas City's NPR station. Tomorrow, we'll bring you two stories about the Missouri River. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Kansas City Today keeps our communities informed. So does KCUR's daily news email, The Early Bird. It delivers the top headlines of the day right to your inbox every weekday at 6 a.m. You can subscribe at kcur.org slash early bird. Thank you.